0: We meet today in Colossians chapter 1 verse 9 to verse 14 Again looking at Christ the fullness of God In other words in Christ we are made full Paul's prayer is the subject of the passage before us In this next section we have Paul's prayer for the Colossians This is one of the most wonderful prayers actually in scripture there are many prayers given in scripture. But interesting to see the breath and the heart of this kind of a prayer. It is a prayer that I think touches all the bases. And it will be very helpful for us to notice what Paul prays for. Now, it is very interesting also that today we find people who are praying for these very things that Paul prayed for. Paul makes it very clear that we already have these things. He is not praying that these things would come. We have them. Dr. Ironside speaks of the prayers that we hear people say, which go something like this. Listen to this, my friend. We pray thee, forgive us our sins and wash us in the blood of Jesus. Receive us into thy kingdom. Give us of thy Holy Spirit. And save us at last for Christ's sake. Amen. Did you know that God has already answered every one of those petitions? God has forgiven us of all our trespasses. We are cleansed by the blood of Christ. He has already translated us out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of the Son of His love. He has sealed us with the Holy Spirit. I mean, Romans chapter 8 verse 9 tells us that if any man does not have the spirit of Christ, he is not of him. You see, we already have. He has saved us eternally from the very moment that we first believed the gospel. Therefore, it would be more fitting to thank and praise him for these things than to be petitioning him for what we already have. Instead of praying, we thank you. For all that you have already done. Now we come to this wonderful prayer that Paul prayed. First he makes several petitions. And then he will thank the Lord for the things that he has already done for us. Colossians 1 verse 9. For this reason we also since the day we heard it do not cease to pray for you. And to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Whenever you see Paul beginning with the statement for this reason, it is building upon what he had talked about previously. It is not just given there for nothing. What is the reason? Verse 8 of the same chapter, had told us, who also declared to us your love in the Spirit. Earlier on, he had told us that the gospel was spreading and going even to certain boundaries. Even though he was imprisoned, the effect of what they had been doing was reaching worlds. Now, he says, because of what he is doing, since that day we heard it, we do not cease to pray for you in order that you may be effective. Paul was grateful for what had already happened to them. He prays now for the further enrichment of their lives. And Paul's prayer contains two requests here. The first is the one on which the rest of the prayer is actually based. The request is that God might fill the readers with the knowledge of his will through all spiritual wisdom And understanding That is a wonderful request The second petition that Paul makes Is that the Colossians might live a life Worthy of the Lord That is built on And grows out of the request Of the knowledge of the divine will You see Living a worthy life Is thus represented As a result or purpose Of knowing God's desire For one's life This suggests that the knowledge of God's will is not imparted as an end in itself. It is given with a practical intent. The end of all knowledge, the apostle would say, is conduct. And sometimes even challenge some of the academics who have gone through the corridors of learning. They have acquired so much knowledge. In fact, they have discovered the knowledge which God had hidden either under the rock or in trees or in bushes, behind the backs of trees. When they get to know all these things, instead of humbling themselves before God, they become arrogant and think that they are little gods themselves. That is not the end of knowledge. The end of knowledge is conduct before God. And Paul says, I want you to know God. But when you have known God, then your life will be transformed. So the two purposes are given in that request. But let me consider in a more proper, detailed way of the first request. He prayed that they might be filled with knowledge. Now, the Greek word for knowledge here is epgnosis, which means a super knowledge. This word is very fitting because in the church at Colossus, there was the heresy of Gnosticism. The Gnostics, the heretics there in Colossus, boasted that they had a super knowledge. And Paul comes here and he says, I pray that you may be filled with the superior knowledge. Isn't that amazing? Paul answers the Gnostics' false claim to superior knowledge by suggesting full knowledge is discovered in God's revealed will. While they were looking for knowledge, which they claimed to be superior, they were looking for it from human sources. And Paul says, you are looking even at a base level. Full knowledge is found in God's revealed will. The false teachers are making great boasts of possessing superior wisdom and sharing secret mysteries and revelations. Paul would counter that God's truth is available to all who would sincerely seek him. Isn't that amazing? But Paul confines also this knowledge to Knowledge of the will of God. It's not just knowledge from all over the place. It's knowledge of the will of God. This knowledge must be in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Let me call your attention, my friend, to the fact that the word wisdom occurs six times in this short epistle. And remember that Paul says that Christ Jesus who became for us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. That is what he said in First Corinthians 1 verse 30. Therefore, in disputing the Gnostics and their heresies, he says, If you have any claim to wisdom, know that real wisdom is in Christ Jesus. He has become both our wisdom and our righteousness and sanctification, my friend. Colossians 1 verse 10 That you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. You see, having known the Lord, it will result in your walk with God. We are seeing here the second petition. When you have known God, you will then walk worthy of the Lord. His second petition is that they might be pleasing to God. This means that these Christians will not be bowing down to men or attempting to please men. To walk worthy of the Lord means to live a life that is commensurate with the Lord, with what the Lord has done for us and is to us. It also may suggest acting in conformity with our union with Christ and with his purpose for our lives. And that is important, my friend. You are united with Christ. Someone united with Christ ought to move like this. Someone united with Christ ought to also find out from Christ, what do you want me to do? Because Christ's purpose for our lives becomes more important than our wishful thinking. You see, the ultimate aim of knowing the will of God and living a worthy life is that the readers may be pleasing to him in every way. Who is him may be pleasing to God in every way. Paul makes a third request even in that verse is that they might be fruitful in every good work. You see, the Christian is a fruit-bearing branch. Christ is divine, and we should bring forth fruit. Being fruitful renders a present tense here, the meaning being that the Christian life is to exhibit continual fruitfulness. Are you fruitful, my friend? Do people who meet you sense that they can harvest a fruit of righteousness, a fruit of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, self-control, When you have known God, your action is changed. You walk worthy of your calling. And wherever you are, you are producing fruit. You are making disciples. You are imparting other people with good. You are influencing them for good. By the way, my friend, whether for good or for bad, you are always making an influence. The question is, what kind of influence are you making? But when you know God, the knowledge of God and walking the worthy life, the pleasing life, you will be fruitful for good, increasing in the knowledge of God is another phrase that is given in verse ten. Well, a Christian should not be static but alive and growing in the Word of God, so their increase in the knowledge of God is Paul's fourth request there The Christian should not only bear The fruit of good works in this life. You should at the same time experience personal spiritual enlargement. The knowledge of God is the means by which the Christian grows. What rain and sunshine are to the nature of plants. The knowledge of God is to the growth and the maturing of spiritual life. Colossians 1 verse 11. Strengthened with all might according to his glorious power for all patience and long suffering with joy. You see, my friends, Christians are engaged in conflict with the cosmic powers of a darkened world. That is what Ephesians chapter 6 verse 12 tells us. And nothing short of divine empowerment can enable Any child of God to stand. Here Paul makes his fifth request. His request is centering on strength and power. And he is asking God for them. For strength and power can come only from God. They are produced by the Holy Spirit. These believers are to be strengthened with all might. For all patience and long suffering with joy. And this patience and long suffering is to be with joyfulness. The word translated patience literally suggests bearing up under a burden or affliction and is often applied to persons there. The word translated long-suffering is a fruit of the spirit. It is a quality most often applied to God. Long-suffering is derived from a Greek compound word meaning long, distant or far off and to be furious or to burn with intense anger. Now, as applied to God, it means to put fury far off while suffering wrong or injustice. Isn't that amazing? So the Christian is to count the long-suffering of God toward evil and injustice, not as slackness, but as evidence of his grace towards evildoers in granting them time for repentance and salvation. That is according to Second Peter 3 verse 9. Now as God's children, Christians are to allow the Holy Spirit to manifest this family characteristic in them as well. The characteristic of long-suffering heart. Romans chapter 12 verse 19 to verse 21 admonishes us to have this characteristic. Colossians 1 verse 12 giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. Now this is a very interesting verse because it gives thanks to God. But what has God done? He has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. Isn't it interesting that many of us who have gone to school, we have been qualified by men. They have uh, conferred upon us certificates and degrees, and we feel very happy about it. But here is an important question for you, my friend. Has God qualified you to be a partaker of his inheritance? You see, we read God's word in John chapter 1, verse 12. But as for those who received him, he gave them the right to become the children of God. Verse eighteen tells us, children born not of the will of man, nor by blood. It's not by inheritance, but it is by God. You see, my friend, it is one thing to be qualified by man and another thing to be qualified by God. Are you a child of God? Why do you say you're a child of God? Is it because your priest or your pastor came and laid their hands on you? Is it because you are trusting in what your parents have passed on to you? Or it is because you personally acknowledged your sin and Jesus said to you, My son, my daughter, you are forgiven. Only when he qualifies you can you be a partaker of the inheritance of the saints. And remember that inheritance is in the light. Also this verse might be translated, Thanking the Father For he made us fit to share in the salvation belonging to the saints who are in the light. The word light there is the ethical condition in which God's children live, namely that of spiritual understanding with its accompanying morality and happiness. Here is the beginning of the list for which Paul is thankful. All our prayers should be filled with thanksgiving. Paul is thankful that God, by his grace, has given us an inheritance with the saints in light. We ought to lay hold of that today. We should believe God and believe that his promises are true. So, beginning with verse 12, he is now thanking God. The listing continues. Colossians 1 verse 13. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the son of his love. Now, darkness is the religious state in which unbelievers exist, namely that of spiritual ignorance with its attending immorality and misery. Paul is thankful that we have been delivered from Satan's kingdom, from darkness. We were dead in trespasses and sins, going the way of the world. Now we have been translated into the kingdom of the son of his love. This is the present aspect of the kingdom of God here on earth today. You can't build the kingdom of God, my friend. The only way you can be a part of it is to open your heart and receive Christ as your savior. That translates into the kingdom of his dear son. Colossians 1 verse 14 in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. Redemption and forgiveness are not exactly parallel or identical concepts, but by putting the two terms in opposition to each other, the apostle here teaches that the central feature of redemption is the forgiveness of sins. Not only have we been translated into his kingdom, But we also have been forgiven of our sins by him, in him. So this is always associated with the blood of Christ. God does not arbitrarily and sentimentally forgive sins. No, no, no. We have redemption through his blood. Redemption means to set free an enslaved people. It carries the idea of liberation at a great cost to the one who liberates. It suggests a philanthropist who releases a slave by payment of a ransom. Now redemption is linked with the price paid. That price is paid in full. It is finished. The Greek is tetelestai, according to John 19 verse 30. So it is finished. The price is paid in full with the death of Christ. He paid a price to deliver us out of slavery. The blood reminds the collusions of the enormous price and the sacrifice paid to secure their redemption. My friend, Paul here gives thanks for five wonderful truths in this section. If we were trusting Christ... God has made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and has translated us into the kingdom of his Son. God has redeemed us through Christ and has forgiven us our sins through his blood. Yet there are many Christian people today who pray for all five of these. My believing friend, they are yours. Why don't you thank him for them? Thank him that you have been saved, you have been forgiven, you have been cleaned, you have been redeemed, you have been delivered from the darkness, you have been translated from darkness into the kingdom of light. You can have copies of the notes and outlines used for these Living Word for Africa programs so you can follow them as you listen. For your copies, please send an email to info at twrafrica.org. Please say which book of the Bible you want them for, and be sure to include your name and contact information. Let me repeat that email address for you. info at twrafrica.org.